Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 61. In this episode, we have guest Tina Navratsky joining us. Uh, Tina is a 2D animator who worked on the critically acclaimed Cuphead uh, video game. Very, very cool style. Um, if you grew up in animation at all, you know the 1930s style, and it was just really, really cool to see in a video game form. Um, she had a lot of great insight, uh, both in her traditional uh, 2D background and also seeing how it worked within a uh, more modern, obviously, video game uh, aspect. And so it was a really neat podcast. She did a great job, and so I'm sure you're going to enjoy this. Listen in. Okay, perfect. All right. Very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you pronounce your last name? Navrotsky. The W is like a V. Oh, Navrotsky? Yeah, Navrotsky. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Is that all right? Thank you. I'm actually I'm learning Spanish right now. So I'm I'm getting used to speaking uh different languages other than the English. Yeah. So this is um, Polish. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was no. born there. Okay, cool. Let's get into some. I mean if you don't mind talking about some of that, that's yeah, sure. Cool. Okay. So again, long story short, I love keeping it conversational. My, I want to talk about Cuphead. It seemed like people were interested in that um, as much as you can. Um, but my intent with these podcasts was always to kind of get to know the people. Um, we have an awesome community. It's, uh, I, I'm always curious to see how people kind of come into this and stuff like that. So if you don't mind getting, not obviously personal, but stuff like that where you're going, hey, look, oh, sure. whatever. I think it's always neat and interesting to hear. So Awesome. All right. So first off, I always love to thank my guests. It's a neat opportunity to, so to, be, uh, so to speak, take some of your time. Um, so I really do just appreciate the time that you guys, you, people like you take to um, talk with me and obviously to our listeners. Um, people always seem to really appreciate it. So thank you very much for your time on this. Hey, no problem. Right. <laughs> it's my pleasure. <laughs> um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I love the design of these podcasts, which kind of get behind um, the artists and get to know them a little bit. And so I'm just kind of curious how you came into, uh, this wonderful medium that we do. Um, you mentioned your last name is uh, Polish and how, you know, you were from there and how, how you came to, uh, America's, even though you're uh, America's yeah. Canada specifically. <laughs> That's where I'm from, uh, currently. Uh, so I was born in Poland and, um, I was born in, uh, the time of communism in Poland. So my parents wanted to leave. Uh, I came when I was three years old, my sister, who's older than me was five. And we immigrated to Montreal, uh, which is in Quebec. So it's a French speaking province. So by the time I was three, I had to speak three languages that were all of completely different roots, right? So English, Polish, and French have nothing to do with each other. (laughs) So I was confused out of my mind. Um, But generally speaking, uh, it was, I think, a good move, uh, especially for both what I decided to do in the end with my career, as well as my sister. Right now, Poland is getting more into gaming and more into animation, but it's a very recent event. A lot of it, of course, uh, fueled by Witcher. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that game, but yes. So I was really honored. I went to a festival back in Poland last year, and it is um, organized by CD Projekt Red, who make The Witcher. Yes. And they invited me and they're like, oh, do you know your family name's Polish? I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> but yeah, I, all my family is still back there. So I try and visit whenever I can. I still speak, read and write. Um, so uh, I try and, you know, stay connected to my roots. But That's definitely awesome. uh, career wise, it, it all happened here in Canada. So yeah. you asked how I got into animation. It was yeah, yeah. An, an interesting story because I 
I loved animation ever since I was a little kid. You know, obviously Disney was something that, you know, you'd look forward every year to see that movie released. And my parents didn't have a lot of money, but they would save up and, you know, would get us the VHS, right? So we can watch it, which was wonderful. But I uh, was more into traditional art, like realism. So I painted... Um, actually horses from a very young age because uh because we were immigrants obviously my parents were um giving us everything they could but uh both my parents were highly educated but it wasn't recognized here so uh, we didn't have a lot so i really wanted to horseback ride and in canada it's expensive it's not cheap in poland it's very affordable but not Mm. here in canada so what I decided to do was to draw horses and I would like, as a little kid with pigtails, I would like pedal my art at stables and like try and get people to buy it so that I would have just enough for that one lesson. And then I would do that over and over and over again until I got pretty good at it. And I started oil painting and I was, I was, you know, a mini businesswoman at age 12. I would go and I would talk to my clients and my mother was, was studying photography. So she would take photos of their horses and I would paint these, you know, highly realistic, uh, oil paintings and like old masters kind of styles and um, and I would sell it to them and I had uh, several exhibitions and my first solo exhibition at 14. Wow, very <laughs> and, cool. And then uh, people obviously wanted to have uh, themselves with their horses so I started getting into portraiture. I painted the Molson family, the one from the beer. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, so, so I started, you know, uh, drawing people as well and when I finally decided to go to college after high school, um, I went to a CIGEP program, which is very, very Quebec specific. It's like a college system. So it's not a university. It's a pre-university program that they have as a kind of stepping stone between university and, um, and high school. And it's very, very affordable. Uh, education in Quebec is, is very, very nice. Um, so I decided to study illustration and design. Uh, because, you know, I like to draw and I thought, you know, I could be an illustrator. That seems like something that I want to do. Uh, meanwhile, in high school, I had done a lot of acting. It was a, an arts focused high school. So I was really into theater and I was always on the stage making people laugh. And I was always the sidekick role, you know, like the one that like is the comic relief. I, know, I didn't like the romantic, like, you know, full of full of uh, deep emotion roles. I was like, uh-huh. Yay, look at me, I'm funny. And um, so I did that and I loved it. And it was kind of like, oh, I'd love to you know be a theater actress but that doesn't sound like a very solid career so I was like I'm going to pursue the art side more and in that program which was focused on illustration there was this one animation course just this little sidebar like oh blip there's animation you can do that as well and I never even considered that as a career for some reason Mm -hmm. and I tried the course and then it was this kind of epiphany moment of this is drawing and acting at the same time and these are two things that I was so passionate about And then I kind of never looked back. I stopped, you know, like the painting slowly. I had less and less time for it because I had this whole new medium that I wanted to master. And I was just really, really excited about it. And I got my first job right out of uh, this uh, CIGEP program, which is a college. um, It's not a degree. It's like a DEC. It's a certificate. Uh, I got my first job through a teacher in video games. So so I started at the time of web portals for children, like, you know, oh, okay. pre-tablets and smartphones. Remember when those just <laughs> flip phones? Yeah, it was uh, online. There was these kind of like um, immersive worlds for kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did animations for that. And that's how I started. Was that in like Flash or something along that line? Yes, a okay. lot of Flash. Um, gotcha. I, I, I hated 3D and it's, I don't know. I don't, I love looking at it, right? 
write as a, a medium, but actually working in it was something about it that just doesn't appeal to me. Uh, so I tried my best to stick to 2D, and obviously at the time, um, hand-drawn 2D was not, like Disney had just closed down their 2D department, mm -hmm. and uh, I was really sad about that. So uh, Flash was the answer, right, because that was still... You know, it was it was puppet, but it was still at least you had you could draw some stuff, and I would try and draw the hair as much as possible. You know, so it's frame by frame and things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, how quickly did you pick up working into a computer, even if it was flash? Uh, pretty quickly. I was very very traditionally focused when I went to college. We didn't we had a computer at home, but no no software for art or anything like that. It was very okay. much, uh, I knew charcoal and oil paints and you know all these traditional mediums. I also knew art history by age 18 completely because wow. uh, my mom used to get like these magazines from Poland, which was called The Great Masters. And every, and every little magazine was a different painter or, or artist throughout history. And it goes, awesome. and we had like bookshelves of this and my mom would read it with her morning coffee and I would find out like who's Velasquez and who's, you know, Delacroix and who's Michelangelo. And right. she would just read it out loud. And by the time I went to college, I was like slaying art history because <laughs> I, I knew it. But again, like the computer stuff was all completely new to me. However, I did like gadgets. I have a, um, I was good at sciences and math as well. I have more of a, I have also a technical mind. So I picked it up pretty quick. I was pretty cool. impressed with myself that from, you know, zero, three-year college program, and I was at least aware of, you know, uh, we learned, we learned a bit of 3DS Max, like, back in, oh my god, this was like, it's baby years, right? So it was a horrible, clunky, clunky thing. <laughs> um, I learned AutoCAD also, which was really clunky at the time, and yeah. um, Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, you know, things like that. And then uh, Flash as well. Uh, Toon Boom wasn't even like animate, you know, that, that didn't exist yet. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that, that was a bit later that that happened. So, <laughs> yeah. so your first gig was in uh, web type portal. Uh, yes. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. Flash, uh, yeah. Flash web portals. We did work for uh, National Geographic's kids. Um, it was a really cute, like Savannah based kind of world mm. where, or like you, you explore a Savannah and everything's like these 2d characters and, and there's these little mini games and things like that. So that's how I started. How, how long did you stay in that arena? Um, so I, I worked uh, for almost three years at that company. And then I switched to a larger company uh, because this is when the big, so um, smartphones and um, Facebook games became like a thing at that mm. time. So I was actually hired to work on Facebook games for a while. Because um, a lot of them were 2D still, and it was very kind of flash, uh, also, you know, very um, vector art. So I got hired to do that at a bigger company. They just started a new division for uh, casual gaming. So, you know, iPads and, and, and Facebook and things like that. So I worked there for three years. And then I, I started working really young, obviously, you know, right out of college. I started working when I was uh, 20. And so by 27, I've been promoted too much, which was annoying to me because um, they were promoting me, which was lovely. You know, it's nice to be appreciated. However, they were pushing me towards a managerial kind of position where I had, you know, five juniors. They were doing my bidding. Um, uh, I, I'm terrible at names, so I just gave them numbers. I'm like, you, you're tier three. <laughs> Get over here. Um, you, so, zero. Yeah. <laughs> You need to earn one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I was meeting clients and writing Excel sheets and 
you know, and I, I was in drawing and I was less really, less drawing, really, yeah. yeah. And I was, you know, I was training to do my job since age eight. I, you know, I was not planning to abandon it at that, I think, early <laughs> stage of my career personally. So um, I flipped the table, quit my job and moved cities. So I moved from Montreal to Toronto and I decided to go back to school. Um, mm. Not not to get a degree specifically, it wasn't my goal. It's not, I, I didn't feel I needed the piece of paper. What I wanted to do is to follow, follow a really stupid dream of mine, which was to get back to classical 2D animation, um, where everybody told me it's dead and it's useless and I shouldn't do that. But, <laughs> but I did it anyway because I'm stubborn. And also my, my whole approach to it, and I think um, I, I met a really lovely woman who used to work at DreamWorks 2D, and now she's a 3D animator, but I feel that the training you get as a 2D animator is the hardest out of mm -hmm. all the mediums because not only do you have to know motion really well, but you also have to be an amazing drafts person. Mm -hmm. Like um, you need to learn about silhouette and posing and, and you have this phase of rough animation where you really feel the energy, you know, the, and you, you're not distracted by details like when you have a puppet and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, um, so I felt that regardless, it's not a waste of time because even if I become a great 2D animator, that will, those skills will translate to any other, you know, software or medium that I end up um, using. So I kind of convinced myself <clears throat> that uh, I can take the time for a few years and, and try and do that. Uh, it was really weird going back to school because I have a baby face. So everybody was 18 and I was, you know, 28. And then I would make like a, a mention of the 80s and people are like, the 80s? <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> I'm like, oops. <laughs> yeah, you know that decade before we were born. and Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. That <laughs> So well, it's pretty um, cool because uh, Jason Ryan, who's one of our, who's our head of character animation, um, and he does live weekly demos for all of our students. But he, he's uh, his background is in two D, and it's I love watching his process because one of the things that he typically does is he sketches out really roughly in two D to kind of get his acting, his timing, a lot of that, and then pulls that into Maya as an image plane to. And he's worked out a lot of that already in the 2D because it's quick. He's got a lot of the energy like you're talking about here, and it's easy to plan with it. So he's able to use his 2D background uh, still in his, his uh, CG. So um, Yeah, I mean, a lot of the way. times you'll see like um, fully animated 2D scenes by some of the greats like Eric Goldberg for mm -hmm. Moana, like that, yeah. like recently surfaced. Um, there was this amazing time when one of my mentors, she's, she's really incredible. So I find it's hard, especially like, you know, I missed working at a big... 2D studio where I could learn from uh, people who are better than me and who could teach me some of these techniques. So although I've been, I, I don't have a degree. I went to, I don't know how many different schools uh, and I would stop after a few years because I needed to make money. And <laughs> um, but the, I think the school in quote, because it's not really a school, which I got the most from was um, a, an online school run by Samantha Youssef. Yes. I don't know yes, if you know about her. Ours. Yeah, no, she yeah. actually uh, does a lot of our character design for our studio. My brother. Oh, and wonderful. I, yeah. So she's, she's, designer. she's my, my favorite mentor and she's, she's, awesome. she's also a really good friend of mine. She's wonderful. Awesome. Um, but when I started taking classes with her, 
that was the time when I really was like, I'm learning something, you know, like this is going to make my work progress. And she has this amazing talent of not only being an incredible animator, but likewise having the ability to transfer that knowledge. And I think not everybody has that ability. Not every teacher, although they may be amazing at what they do, have the, the ability to transfer and clarify what they're doing, their process, so that somebody else can catch on. So, right, right. Uh, so, so she was, she was the best. <laughs> We've had a podcast with her. This was years and years ago. She was one, actually one of the earlier ones, but yeah, she's, she's fantastic. So I think I'd caught in a uh, interview I was watching online that I forget the name of the, the YouTube channel, but you had mentioned that. So I was going to ask you about her. Uh, but yeah, she's, so that's one of your mentors then, huh? Yes. So um, I took some of her classes when Studio Technique was up and running. Mm -hmm. um, she took a break from that to write her book, which is really, really great. It's called Movement and Form. It's, um, mm -hmm. It's a book for, I guess, all artists in general, but definitely skewed towards animation. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody should read it. It's just really great because I'm so happy that she's taking that knowledge and putting it to paper so that not only the people who took her class, but, you know, a wider audience can appreciate um, her her system and the way she approached it. And she learned from some of the greatest animators as well, right? So right, right. her knowledge is is kind of um, that, that tradition that was kind of cut off because... Uh, you know, the, like, at least the U.S. studios kind of abandoned the, the traditional 2D method um, in full production. So, so that's great. But she, we were talking a little bit about transferring the 2D to 3D. She was uh, showing an example from Kung Fu Panda, the first one. Mm. And it's that really epic fighting scene between the, the little... Oh my God, the great master, but really little one. Master Shifu. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing, amazing sequence. But she showed us, the for some reason she had access to it. She showed us the first version of that fight. And it just looks mushy and just really bad. And the action is kind of forced and it doesn't look good. And then they asked, uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was Eric Goldberg or James Baxter, but one of them reanimated the whole scene in 2D and it was glorious right mm. everything was amazing it was just so wonderful to watch and then the directors were like all right you're taking the puppets and you're just like overlaying them <laughs> on these drawings and you're copying it frame by frame because this is exactly what we want and when she analyzes it like why why was this one you know obviously it was a very talented 3D animator who tried to do it versus uh, a great 2D animator who did right. it and it looked so much better. Why? And the, the key is silhouette. Like 2D mm -hmm. animators always think of silhouette. We think of it as a 2D plane and we're, we're trained to look at that and trained our eyes to make the silhouette and the, the 2D shapes to have them move beautifully and elegantly. Right. And I think that if people skip that phase in their learning of like thinking of, because, you know, even though you have the 3D glass or whatever, it's still really a 2D plane. Like it's right. Still yep. You're still seeing it as a screen. So, you know, those silhouettes still need to work. They still need to move beautifully. And um, it's not like that should be completely forgotten. But people who dive in right to the 3D with the puppets sometimes don't learn that bit, you know, don't learn to thumbnail to get the best pose, to get that silhouette crisp and legible yeah. and when you're done 2d for so many years you can't forget it it's like it's part <laughs> of your you know like it's you part of your step through yeah it's part of your system so you you automatically have kind of a step up in the quality of your work so gotcha. yeah very cool so um from those studios that you were at how, how quickly did you jump to the studio that uh, and I, i'm not sure the studio name that did cuphead what was studio mdhr 
Okay. So, what is so the, the brothers are called uh, the brothers Moldenhauer. So it's a really long family name. So they have it as MDHR, Moldenhauer. Okay, <laughs> like, <thank you. laughs> yeah, so, so there you have it. So it's Studio MDHR. Okay. Um, yeah, so the story was that I came to Toronto to study at Sheridan uh, for 2D animation. And it was really sad almost because the year that I went, they got rid of all the 2D animation desks and replaced them with Cintiqs. Mm. And there was like maybe two or three animation desks left at the back, like as a like a little memento or whatever. And I was like the only psychopath like at the back, <laughs> like with my paper, doing everything on paper. Um, so... So it's a four-year program, uh, but unfortunately, it's a little bit pricey, and I was paying with my own savings. So after two years, I just ran out of money. <laughs> like, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and also, I didn't want to rack up debt. So I decided two years is enough for me. I don't, I don't need the, the piece of paper. But what was beautiful about it is that I really got back to what I'm passionate about, right? Frame by frame. Uh, animation and I used to post my little exercises from Sheridan on my blog. Uh, I didn't know you needed a blog but supposedly you did. I was very not savvy when it comes to um, the Twitters and the other things. Uh, I got my Twitter <laughs> account when Cuphead launched because we're like oh you should have one. I'm like okay <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'll figure it out you know. Um, so so I posted stuff on my blog because they told me to. Mm -hmm. And basically, once I quit uh, school, I went back to work. I worked for a, a studio here in Toronto for a very brief uh, amount of time. But it was a part-time contract, so it was uh, three days a week. And it was only a three-month contract, so I was still kind of looking around. And then Studio MDHR contacted me saying, oh, hey, we stumbled upon your blog. We see you're here in Toronto. Do you want to do a test for us? We do Cuphead. I don't know if you've heard about it. And I'm like freaking out because I had seen the first, you know, first trailer and I thought it was so beautiful. And I was so proud that somebody was giving 2D animation a chance, but never in my wildest dreams did I think of applying. I'm like, I'm sure they have all the people they need. Like, they look <laughs> like they're set, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, so they, uh, they gave me a test to do, which was the flying waffle that I did for Baroness Von Bon Bon. That was the first thing I animated. Very cool. And um, they shipped me a brother scanner, which is this like massive beast of a scanner to my place where you can like just feed your papers because that's one of the big issues with 2D animation is I had like a little home scanner and I like taped a peg bar to it. And the way you would test stuff, I would be like, you know, put the one sheet of paper and go like, meh, meh. And then like you have to, you know, and then next sheet, like, and imagine if you have 71 drawings, right? It's just, it's, it was madness. Whereas the scanner, you just feed like a pack of papers, you go get a coffee and it like scans everything and names everything for you. So oh, everything's wow. in sequence and it does batches. So like after you finish, like, you know, you, you give it as much as it can take and then it'll stop scanning. It'll be like, oh, are you done or do you want to continue? So if you have a really long scene, you could put the next set of drawings and it'll just continue scanning in the same sequence. So, um, so that was really great. So I also realized that they were kind of serious if you just shipped me a scanner oh, right yeah. away, which was really nice. Um, so yeah, so I passed the test. That's fantastic. I got the job. <laughs> and, that's, and that's it. That's what I've been working on ever since. Now, when was that one released? Uh, Cuphead was, yeah. oh my God, it was 2017? September. Okay. It was a September 29th. I forget the year. I think, yeah, I think it was... I think it was 2017. Yeah, okay, so almost like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's been a it's been a whirlwind since then. But yeah. And that's the studio you've been at since. 
yes. Um, I also, uh, while I was working for Cuphead, I was doing freelance as well. Um, it was one of those projects where we were all kind of doing it for the love. Yeah. So, you know, Which I was uh, Cuphead because I don't know if you know the story behind it. It was completely self-funded by the two brothers. Oh, wow. Uh, so they didn't have any like financial backing. They did um, uh, partner with Xbox in the end, but it was just for the publishing and for like marketing, whereas wow. they funded the entire game themselves. So it was like, you know, uh, remortgaging their homes and like you know finding the money like that so it was a big risk for them and uh all the animators on it we were kind of you know exactly working for the love uh like we were getting paid but obviously like they were aware that you know we probably were worth a bit more <laughs> but i think we were just all so excited about it and believed in it so much that i was really happy with you know whatever they would offer me but um i still needed a little bit of extra cash so i would do like freelance work on the side as as well as working full-time on cuphead which gotcha. was pretty intense um so for a few years that was pretty crazy and uh, for example, now, which is really lovely, although I'm, I'm still working full-time at Studium DHR, between Cuphead and uh, starting work on DLC, uh, there was this kind of moment of, of pause on, on any work on, on, you know, for Studium DHR. So I started this really awesome project for, um, and uh, he used to work at Disney. His name is Brian Kesinger. Okay. And he's, he's a very well-known illustrator. He was a storyboard artist, an amazing storyboard artist. And he has, you know, Lil Kylo, those comics? It looks like, um, uh, what's, oh my God, I'm so bad with names. This is like really, Calvin and Hobbes. It's like, yeah, it's, okay. yeah, the, it's, like it was, a, yeah. yeah it's like a Calvin and Hobbes style, but it's like little Kylo as a like little boy. And he's like super evil already because, you know, <laughs> he admires um, his grandfather and all that stuff. And it's a hilarious comic. Uh, so he invented that and got so much popularity and he's just a great illustrator and uh, a great guy as well. Does he and have like a little bear with him? Um, no, no, no. Different then. No, you'll, you'll have to look it up. It's called Lil Kylo and okay. uh, it's, it's really great. Uh, he he's, has an Instagram and a Twitter and all the things. Um, so yeah, so he's, a, he's an amazing storyboard artist. Uh, I think he's currently, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think he's cur currently a Lucas. Okay. Uh, so he moved from Disney to, to like work at Lucas, which is, I guess, now owned by the same thing. But anyway, uh, so he had this pet project that he wanted um, to have animated, uh, an animated short. And he approached me with um, just, you know, a, a pitch for the project. And he's like, hey, you know, do you want to work on this? And I was pretty busy at the time doing every little freelance things. And I'm like, you know, I'm pretty busy. And then he showed me the promotional like poster that he did for it. I'm like, oh my God, that's gorgeous. <laughs> and then like I Googled him and I'm like, oh my God, he's like, he's so amazing. So I, I said, sure, of course. And um, I've been working on it kind of on my free time ever since. It's called Jasper Pumpkinhead. It's about a scarecrow uh, with the head of a pumpkin. And uh, he, he has like big dreams. And that's all I could really talk about right now. There's okay. a few of the scenes that got released by, uh, by Brian whenever, you know, um, he, he allowed, I think, two scenes, uh, two of my pencil tests were shown. He also did uh, last October just illustrations of Jasper and people got really excited about him as a character. I think he's a great character. So um, again, frame by frame on paper, beautiful traditional animation and, uh, and I'm really loving it as well. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's so it. Cool. I'm like working full-time studio DHR, but also part-time 
I'm working on this little, you know, love project of That's an animated short. That's project you get to enjoy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's my free time. I do more work, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. <laughs> now, what is your, just out of curiosity, what are your thoughts on working like on a Cintiq? Obviously, it doesn't have that same grip as a, you know, pencil, but I mean, I've seen, you know, what Samantha Yusuf does and things like that. So, I think I think it's a great tool, uh, definitely. Um, I I still like I've always wanted a Cintiq. I don't actually own one because when I wanted, I was like, okay, I'll invest in one because I've had Wacom tablets, you know, all my all, all my working career. Um, I just recently upgraded. I still had like the tablet I bought in college, and it was mm. like old and raggedy, but it was still worked. So I was like, ah, it's fine. Um, but I I was going to invest into a Cintiq, and what's hilarious is that's when I got hired to work on paper. And, and then I've been hired to work on paper ever since. So there's no real need yeah, to invest too. in one, but I did use them briefly when I went to Sheridan and it is a very different, I think like a lot better than just a Wacom tablet. It does have that, you know, feeling like you're actually drawing and you see your lines. Um, my only thing is that uh, I think the software has to be really good. So if you're using a vector software, obviously it changes your line a lot. Yeah. If you're using um, like a pixel-based software, it's better because it's, it's feeling that pressure and that grit. Um, except I think it always slightly perfects your line, just that ever, ever so slight bit. So you don't have those mistakes and you don't see those like lines underneath. And it's definitely... Um, it's definitely great. And I think it is allowing a lot of people who don't have the setup or don't have the, the opportunity to do it on paper uh, to create something still hand-drawn and still frame by frame using a software in a Cintiq. And it looks great. It looks really good. But I still personally <laughs> have a huge love for just for the, for the, like, you could touch it, the tactileness yeah. and the humanity of it. It's very human, the mistakes we make and the fact that every you know, drawing was touched by a human hand um, makes it that little bit imperfect, which is weird to say. And that was what makes it so perfect. Yeah, it just, yeah. Like we always have this love for things that are not quite, you know, computer generated. Yeah, yeah like yeah. it's like when you see that wood piece that was made by a, a person versus made by, you know, a machine, like you're always like, right. oh, look at this little quirks and, you know, it's, it's, you know, one of a kind, it'll never be exactly the same. And I think that's what, for me, 2D, traditional 2D is. And mm. I, I'm not hating on any of other mediums. I think it's all tools. And, and there's some beautiful animation that comes out of you know, various studios uh, using various techniques. And I definitely think the, the 2D software has uh, come you know, a really long way. Uh, uh, TV Paint is a beautiful software for a traditional animation. So, um, so not hating on any of it, but I wouldn't switch my animation desk for a Cintiq if I had the choice. That's a <laughs> so, little different, yeah. right? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the other parts I thought was cool, kind of just going back to what you're talking about um, with Cuphead, not only were you able to animate in a style that you have a passion for and love, but what a cool opportunity to animate in a 1930s animation yeah. style. That was what, what blew me away. Um, I just getting to grow up and kind of watching a lot of that kind of animation. It was just, it was, so when that came out, it was just showing the cuphead stuff. I was just, it was really just, like I said, kind of blowing away because it, very unexpected. Yeah. And a lot of nostalgia. And what's really interesting is that I still remember, you know, Popeye and stuff being on TV, but I know like the, the, like 
kids I went to school with, for example, didn't have that, right? Like mm-hmm. to, to the younger generation, seeing the 1930s style kind of um, repackaged in this kind of very different medium, which is very modern, you know, gaming, a very, very fledgling kind of style. And almost it's serendipitous because 1930s animation was the beginning, you know, like the, the mm. very experimental, weird, we don't really know what we're doing, but we're going to give it a <laughs> shot kind of a time in history. And I was talking with um, somebody in the gaming industry and we were talking about the gaming industry as a whole, that people still don't think it's art, they like, you know, critique it a lot and like we are in our infancy like this is like you know cinema at the beginning also was very rough around the edges and you know now it's this you know ridiculous art form and i think i think the video game industry also when it comes to storytelling and and just as an art form in itself a a very kind of it's the way to tell a story that's immersive Mm -hmm. is an interesting new kind of fledgling uh industry which is what animation was at the time so i think it was a very fun um, especially since they, they chose the retro style of gaming, right? Like also yeah. the fledgling beginning of video games with like the fledgling animation style. And I thought that was very <laughs> beautiful. Um, and what's nice is I, I like that style of animation, but I never oh, yeah. tried to animate it before. So it was, it was, it was a learning experience. Definitely a lot of, a lot of drinking coffee and putting on Betty Boop, you know, <laughs> and like frame by frame watching what was going on. So yeah. <laughs> so what was your biggest learning curve on that style? Um, it's kind of, you need to unlearn some of the things that the the later animators came up with. So, um, you know, the golden era of animation. So when Disney, uh, at least was, again, I'm only talking about Western animation because Mm -hmm. manga and anime is its own thing and how that developed was kind of separate. So, um, at least in the, in the U S, um, you know, they started to to try and focus on realism and storytelling, and they developed the 12 principles of animation. And that was like the nine old men. So employees at Disney who, through trial and error, were like, okay, this works, and this makes it more believable, and so on and so forth. Whereas the 1930s is, you know, 10 years before that. So it's basically the Wild West, where oh, this kind of works, but, you know, let's try that. And everything had to be funny. It was the Great Depression. So mm. the point of these cartoons was to make people laugh. It wasn't to tell a story and make people feel emotional or whatever. It was like, get everybody happier before, you know, <laughs> a, a picture. So it was all about jokes. They weren't meant for children, which is also super interesting, right? Because mm. uh, they were meant for, for adults. So the humor in it is pretty crass. And, <laughs> you know, and which pretty... Which kind of funny because um, now in American Western, it's typically thought as cartoons being for kids. Exactly. So it's a complete change in how it started, right? So mm, yeah. um, it was because also there was like the Dec- Decency Act that came in. That's uh, the time when Betty Boop's skirt got longer and she lost her garter and like, uh, all, this, okay. all okay. the boring things happened. <laughs> I was weren't allowed to have udders. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, so there's like a, there's a turning point definitely when it becomes kitty because of those kind of uh, stops that animators and artists were given so they couldn't make the humor as cross anymore Mm. um so it was it's a very it's a very interesting style in the sense that you have to kind of think back to that time and kind of unlearn the good practices that make animation very polished um but you know and then look at 
you know, what was happening then, like the crazy wackiness of it all, the freedom, you know, that anything can happen. Right. You know, a, a pancake can stand up, dance, and then eat itself, you know, like it just, it was, <laughs> that's, that's how it used to be back then. It oh, just, it, it goes as long as it makes you laugh. So, yeah. um, so I think it was, it's a huge freedom of conceptualization. Um, and also the two brothers allowed um, the animators to have a huge freedom of input. So they would have an idea for gameplay, but they're like, okay, something needs to happen here and something will shoot out in this way. What could it be? And then you just go on this crazy kind of rant of ideas of like crazy things. And one of the crazy ideas will get chosen. And that was, that was great. <laughs> you know, I really enjoyed it. that went and got chosen. Oh, first, my, one of my favorites is um, there's many, many ones that I was really, really happy with, especially like deaths and, uh, and attacks were the best. But um, one of my favorite deaths is Pip and Dot. So that's one of the, you know, the King Dice fight at, uh, right before the end. So you're, you're, you want to meet the devil, but King Dice blocks your way and then you fight King Dice and you have all these mini bosses that you, you kind of roll the dice and you fall on one of the mini bosses. So I animated a few of those, one of which is a, a domino couple on a swing and they're oh, called cool. Pip and Dot. And for deaf animation, which was one of my crazy, I actually, I think that was my sister's idea. My sister has nothing to do with animation, but she has a psychotic mind. <laughs> she's a, she's a PhD historian. She's a, a complete academic, like very, and, but whenever I'm stuck, I'll call her and I'll be like, Hey, so how can a hot dog die? And then she'll just like, like go like crazy ideas. And I don't know what is in the air where she is, but, um, so it was my sister's idea. Later. But I was really proud of it because I thought it was great. Um, so basically, um, uh, Dot is the, the female part of a domino, and she's the bottom. And she kicks him in the eyeballs with her feet <laughs> as, like, as a deaf animation, and it's great. I was super excited <laughs> about that. I thought it was the best. Like, she like, literally like, punches out his eyeballs. With her feet. <laughs> There's this one amazing frame where they're just like completely like you know, sucked in by her. Oh, uh, that's fantastic. See, times. that's why I like, uh, some of my favorite films are Cloud with a Chance of Meatballs, <laughs> the Lego, the Lego movie, the first one, uh, obviously the second one's coming out here. Um, but I love it for just those quirkiness. Those are yeah. that's just great stuff, you know, where you're just yeah. like, do that. I was not expecting anything <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Anything can happen. <laughs> um, and that's a neat part too, that you mentioned, um, that the animators had that freedom. I, I, obviously, like you mentioned, these guys are mortgaging their houses and things like that. To, it, it's their rears on the line in that regard, so they're going to give direction. But it's always neat for me to hear when artists are able to get that freedom to to give that input because then you don't you, you're able to feel like my creativeness is getting to be used, and you give more. Um, Absolutely, and you feel more ownership. You know, yeah. you feel this delightful kind of ownership with. Uh, with the characters, like one of the things that happened again with studios, especially gaming studios, because of the 3D thing, uh, the role of animator and character designer got kind of split because mm. the people who would draw concepts for characters were 2D drafts people and, you know, 3D animators became a completely different set of skills. Whereas, you know, back in the Disney days, the animators would design the characters because who better to design the characters than the people who are going to animate them? You know, the, the lead animators would design the characters. So there was no character designer job. It was the job of the animators. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, just because we're such a small team, 
um, we mimicked that old Disney, old studio kind of a way of working where the animators were designing their own characters. And it gives you, you know, so much pleasure because I've, I've worked the other way around where um, you have a character designer who might be super talented and you get their design, but sometimes their design is a little clunky to animate or you would have designed it differently to make it, you know, uh, more, more, you know, fascinating to animate or make the characters stronger for animation. But they don't know that because we're not animators. Mm -hmm. so, so this was a very rare and amazing opportunity to be able to design your own characters. And also because all the animators were so different to get so many different perspectives, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. on on what what the characters are going to be like. So it was it was a, a a wonderful time in my career, I guess, where cool. I got to experience that. You know, it's great. Were you guys surprised at the um, it being so well received? A hundred percent. So we had an inkling that people are going to like it because of a reception at various. Um, you know, uh, gaming conventions and fairs and what have you. So people were excited about it, but I don't think any of us, especially not like maybe Chad and Jared a little bit more and Maya had more idea because they were, you know, in the front lines and they got to meet the fans and, and would go to all these places, but we were just slaving away, you know, drawing. <laughs> so we had no idea that people would be so excited about it. And more, more weirdly, I guess for us is that, suddenly people like want to know what we have to say and know our names and mm -hmm. a guy at the, you know at the liquor store was like hey you're that animator like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um it's i know it's like you know very d-list famous but it's just it's it, it's it's interesting for for animators who never get any recognition, recognition really. yeah to get um yeah. Yeah, to get people excited about what we did. And I guess because also we're such a small team, like, you know, for most of production, it was four animators. And, you mm -hmm. know, so um, so that was it. And then we got a fifth animator at the very end. And it's a, a tiny team, especially when you look at the credits for, you know, all the AAA games, which have like <laughs> 400, 500 animators. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you get a lot more singled out because it was so small. Um, so that was really shocking to us. And what was even more shocking to us was uh, we didn't, we never met um, face to face. Like I met the people in Toronto. So Chad and Maya live not too far from Toronto. So we met several times. Uh, I also met Ali uh, and Caitlin, Caitlin Russell, who painted all the background single-handedly. She painted wow. every single background by herself. So she lives in Toronto and um, Ali Morby, is a woodworker, but he did some of the maquettes for Cuphead. So he made the book, like the, the Cuphead book that opens and that old style of kind of like storybook thing. He, oh, cool. he learned book binding to make it. He, um, <laughs> he carved the castle in Grim Matchsticks level that like slowly rotates. It's not a 3D model. It's an actual castle that was then photographed frame by frame, like slowly rotating wow. on, a, on a green screen, which is like a piece of cardboard from the dollar store. Um, <laughs> So, so I, I hung out with them, but the rest of the team, you know, uh, Jay Clark is in Vancouver, uh, Joseph Coleman is in LA, and then Hannah Abihana and Dee Johnson, the other two animators, are in San Francisco. Um, and then, you know, the, the two programmers, one was in Ottawa, the other was somewhere else. And, and we met for the first time face-to-face -face on launch day. We got all flown to LA and we, we just launched the game. I was at the airport when Chad pressed the button on Steam, like, go like people are allowed to buy it wow. and that's when we met when we had like a drink it's all over and we're like hi you have a face that's amazing <laughs> you know um 
So that was incredible. And, and very, you know, very odd because we've never met, but we all get along like a house on fire. Like the studio really worked well remotely, but we are all really get along in person. So uh-huh. it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. It's a weird, a weird experience and not everyday kind of story. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's one of the things I just um, really am enjoying about this stage in uh, our animation careers is that, like as I mentioned, Samantha Youssef is um, our story artist. I'm sorry, our character design artist for the studio that my brother and I uh, own. She's in Canada. Our, our um, gal that we do the score for, our music, is in Ireland. Um, and so it's just neat to be able to do like this here, jump on Zoom, be able to work with people. Um, it's just it's amazing. But then again, even the timeline of animation, I, I, I look at something like Cuphead, I think it was able to do as well it was as it was now with the mobile idea of a kind of a quick games and kind of that resurgence of those styles of games again, you know, um, yeah, that were done absolutely. back in the, the run and gun that you mentioned. Um, yeah. It's, just, it's neat to see something like that to be able to have the success, but in the evolution of where we're at now. And, and I definitely think like the indie, uh, you know, independent gaming environment has changed so much. And, mm-hmm. and I was watching it, you know, just start. And that was basically what, you know, encouraged the Mollenhauer brothers to go ahead and try it because, uh, you know, I think they, they always mentioned Super Meat Boy and other ones that were a success mm-hmm. and like, you know, like we can do this, we can give it a try. <laughs> and, and obviously like, it's better not to know what you're getting into when you first get into it. Like it's, I think that's, you know, ignorance is bliss at some point yeah yep, yep uh but looking back it was it was all a shock to us but i think i think it was the perfect storm in the sense of um exactly that like retro nostalgia which appeals to you know our generation who saw the cartoons on tv even an older generation who like grew up with those cartoons yeah um and like has that nostalgia of the old games that they grew up with like the mullenhauer brothers who made it for themselves but for the new generation it feels so new and fresh right because yeah, we haven't yeah. seen this type of stuff on <laughs> on tv and and they haven't been challenged by games like the old 80s games used to challenge you like you know the part the fact that Cuphead is so hard is actually refreshing because all games became so easy and so yeah. you don't get that elation um, I just had a friend from Australia come to stay with me and you know he he heard about Cuphead but never played it so we played it together and I'm not a great gamer so I can't help him um, so he was trying and he was you know like dying and dying and dying and he finally beat something and I think he screamed on the floor like <laughs> that's a very physical kind of reaction oh yeah you actually achieve something yeah and so i think that was it was that if it was just pretty art i don't think it would have done as well as really backing it up with extremely fun though brutal gameplay (laughs) you know so very fun yeah what were some of the uh were there any particular games that were their kind of go-to as far as you know, I, the first one, I think in that one interview, I, met, I think you mentioned Run and Gun, and one of the first games that popped in my head was Contra. Um, was there anything, any games in particular that they kind of looked back to and went, ah, we love, you know, as point uh, of references? To be honest, they do mention Contra a lot, so that okay. is spot on, but I I don't know. Like, I, okay. I'm, I was not a gamer, so I don't remember the names very well. There's a bunch of really great YouTube interviews with Chad and Jared where they go okay. into it. I think one of them was... 
uh, by Xbox where um, it's like a 20 minute interview and it's really great because okay. you really get like into their minds and, and what they were thinking. So I just drew this stuff. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't, you know, invent the gameplay. So um, you made it so look all nice and pretty. huh? Yeah, I made it pretty. <laughs> I was one of the people who made it pretty. That's <laughs> so, fantastic. Yeah. Um, some, okay, I'm going to ask a couple questions here. And again, as I mentioned in my podcast with the guys from uh, Into the Spider-Verse, these were asked on Twitter. So some of their handles are just, they are what they are. So okay. um, I'm, I'm going to do my best to pronounce them. Uh, so this one's from Atrix. Uh, which boss gave you the most amount of trouble? Okay, so I will divulge a secret, which is pretty horrible, but I have not beat Cuphead. Okay. <laughs> because... Because I am not a huge gamer, and this is also a very embarrassing story, when I first, my first job in video games was when I was 20. Um, and I, I was there, I got the job, I got hired because I could animate. And then I was like, so what's a console? Like, I didn't know the word. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. And they had to explain it to me. So it's not part of my, my youth and my upbringing. I actually okay. did, like, I, I did archery and horseback riding and horseback riding while doing archery. So I would do <laughs> archery off of horseback. I did saber fighting. I was a huge tomboy. Wow. I, I was very outdoorsy, uh, played in nature and stuff like that. So I wasn't a big gamer. And then I, I learned about games through working on them, but I'm just not good at them at all. all so right. I did, and we got Cuphead the day before it launched. Like we got it one day early and we were, I, I think my two coworkers just didn't sleep because they were trying to play it. So um, I'm pretty proud of myself that I beat all of the first island. I was like, yay! And there's like the, all the easy bosses, right? Um, and then I got to the second one and it's really shameful to say, but the one I'm stuck at, I get to the final phase, but I'm stuck is my own boss, which is Baroness oh. Von Bon Bon. I'm stuck on her. So I'm going to I'm gonna beat her. Like, this is one of my life ambitions. I just have to sit down and keep practicing and get it All done. right. Yeah. Now, did you have any test plays as far as to see how your animation was working? No, in the- we did ah. not. And that's part of the quirks of working with two brothers who've never made a game before. Um, so obviously, it would have been wonderful for the, for the artists to test the games so that they could see, like, art bugs and things like that. Uh, but it was all kind of uh, very, um, like it was first first time going for it. And so there was no time to step back and think of a good process. Like it was okay. kind of like, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. So um, we just, we just animated and, and then there was a game. <laughs> like, that is so, so cool. That's yeah. adventurous for sure. It is. It, it was, it was definitely, it was surprising also. It was surprising to all of us to see the end result because we, we only saw little bits, right? We never saw the thing as a whole. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. Um, this is, okay, this is pretty descriptive. Black Geeky Girl says, who is your favorite mini boss from King Dice's Casino? Boss Battle and why? Oh, 100% the Magician Rabbit. His name is Hope, Hopus Pocus. Um, <laughs> and he has like, and why? Because he has like a deep psychosis in his soul like really disturbed like something just snapped like my my theory is like he killed the magician and then just lost it you know like he was the white rabbit in the act and then just murdered him and then it's over but um it was to the it was i was doing that animation um at a time when we were just all pushing really hard to get the game finished Hmm. so we're all going mildly insane just because of the amount of work and (laughs) and all that kind of stuff so i feel like put a lot of that (laughs) into this animation um and also this happens so rarely because i'm 
again, if you ever do classical 2D animation, there's a lot of planning involved. Plan everything. Like, everything has to be super planned before you actually do it. And he does this twirly thing with his hand. He has, like, a baton, and he twirls it. And I, I obviously couldn't frame by frame people who twirl batons because it just goes too fast. And I, I can't twirl a baton. So, like, it's not like I could study my own movement. I'm like, I kind of feel like this is what it looks like. So I just kind of drew it straight ahead, which is a no-no, usually, because it never works out. Like, that will never work. It'll look, it'll look like garbage. Everything will fall apart. And I tested it, and it looked amazing. And it was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> so I wish it was, was here to see me. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a high moment. So definitely the, the rabbit, he's, he's my favorite for Very many, cool. many reasons. I also like his design. I like his animations. I like all, everything about him. He's great. Now who did the designs of the characters? Uh, that one was mine. So I, I did quite a few of the King Dice mini bosses. So I did the, the rabbit. I did the domino. I also did the, the monkey with the symbols. And I did a few other ones. Oh my God, what are they? Can't believe I'm forgetting them. I did one or two ever of the of the, of the King Dice ones. Wow. Those are the ones that come to mind. But the monkey from that same you know battle, the symbol monkey, is my least favorite character ever. And I like I love all my characters. Generally speaking, there's not one that I particularly hate except for him. I break the rule. I hate him. <laughs> like I just can't stand this monkey. <laughs> Wow, he was awful because he was um he was a like a puppet that like rotates very slowly and if you're doing 3d that is the sh- simplest like you put one thing and you go like boop boop done Make next sure timings, but yeah whereas i spent so long on this stupid animation because it, yeah. he 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 rotates ever so slightly and very mechanically um, and his shapes are very organic. And so rotating that in perspective, like with a perfect perspective, was just absolutely god-awful. I can imagine. So I hated it. And he was also the character that just wouldn't die. Like he's like, oh, I, he has to rotate open. And now he has to rotate close. And now he has to transition from open to close and from close to open. And now from attack to close and from attack to close. And like just kept going. Like he would never die. Like he always had something else that needed to be animated. And I just wanted to shoot him in the face. And then the only animation I enjoyed was the death animation for that one. I, oh, I like nice. I smashed his face in and it was just so <laughs> yes. very rewarding. Yes. So that was a long winded um, favorite and least favorite answer <laughs> to that question. I hope that helps. <laughs> All right. All right. So it's always uh, satisfying when people beat that boss then, huh? The best. It's the best. <laughs> I love it. When they finally they finally kill him. <laughs> um this is from Blueberry. It says, what were the previous designs of the characters? Were there any previous designs that you guys had that they had kind of changed or? Um, yeah, so, so definitely uh, you always go through a huge amount of iterations. Uh, like, f- you know, for the monkey, it's a claw machine, right? That like picks up the monkey and you're in a claw machine. So before he was a monkey, he had a, a, a ton of other ideas of what he could be. Like, you know, different stuffed animals, you know, different designs. Uh, same thing with Baroness von Bonbon. She was always supposed to be, you know, a candy type princess. But the way she looked went through a lot of iterations. I think uh, I did a, I've done a talk about uh, the Cuphead process on at several festivals um, ever since after, you know, after the launch, I went on this like mini tour, like people would invite all of us, which was pretty amazing um, to talk about the game. And I would talk specifically about, you know, the stuff that I worked on Very cool. and Baron, Baroness von Bonbon is, you know, my boss and, and I, I have a huge affinity to her. And so I showed all the different kind of iterations and some of that got on the internet. People, people took pictures. I didn't mind and they shared it. And, um, 
a lot of people decided that like, oh, all the different iterations of Baroness are actually her family members. So there's this one version where she looks like herself, but she looks a lot older. She like looks more serious, less kind of childlike. They're like, oh, that's her mother. And then all these like crazy designs are like, oh, that's her different like crazy cousins. And like people have made this whole story out of it. So I guess that was great. Um, but yeah, so I think every character goes through just a huge phase of it can be anything until, you know, Chad and Jared would, would boil down, oh, this guy, that's what we want him to be. Um, and then they pick one and then we kind of go with it. Awesome. All right. Um, I don't know if you can answer this one, but that's from the same, uh, the Blueberry. Also, when is the DLC coming out? Ask Studio MDHR. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, you, there you go, the Blueberry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think you may have answered this one, but there's some, some real smarty pants hours, I guess. Who was your favorite character you drew animated in Cuphead? So I'm going uh, so definitely Baroness. I think yeah. her and her castle was, was my top. Although I do have a huge love for some of the King Dice mini bosses, like the mm. rabbit, as I mentioned. But she she's definitely the one that I put the most of myself into. Um, because it was the first assignment I got on Cuphead was to design that level, like, you know, to do all the animations for that level. And Chad didn't know me at all. And I love sweets so much. Like I have a huge sweet tooth. I love baking. So I was like, yes, like I got, you know, one that really appealed to me. And, um, and then on top of it, you know, her personality, she's kind of, um, you know, she's so sweet, but then she's like really tough and a bitch. And, and like, so it's a lot of my facets of my personality. Like, you know, like, oh, I was so nice. Don't cross me. <laughs> so, you are called number one. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's part of, because I'm tiny and I worked in a very male dominated industry from a very young age and I look like I'm 12. So I, and you know, I had to, I had to create a personality that was kind of tough as nails, you know, okay. just to get through it. So I think I put a lot of that into that character. So she's my favorite. All right. Very cool. Um, let's see, we have, um, this is Afro Ninja 360. Were there any hurdles you faced during the production of the game or characters you worked on? You kind of mentioned the monkey. That was Yeah, a the monkey, that hurdle. was tough. And what was nice about that is uh, I finally got some good help on that. Uh, so another amazing animator on Cuphead is uh, Hannah Abihana. He, uh, he got uh, nominated along, like we both got nominated for an Annie Award uh, oh, the year awesome. after. You got Cuphead. nominated for that. Awesome. Yeah, Congrats. and uh, we went like, you know, warp fancy things. And like, um, there was like, you know, Angelina Jolie was there and all that stuff. And he won the Annie Award for Outstanding Character Animation in a Video Game. So, and he's absolutely, his, his characters are amazing. He did um, the dragon, a grim matchstick and the devil himself and a bunch of really, really well-known characters. So he, uh, one of his strong points definitely, which is one of my weak points is uh, I'm not great at perspective and he's amazing at it. So he drew over my drawings in the end of that monkey um, to finally like get them to where they should be and help me out with that. So that was really nice. So I finally got out of that kind of like hellhole. Um, uh, the, the other thing, I guess, it, it was sometimes it was just um, the amount of time we had to do things uh, was a challenge. But I'm one of those people that like working under pressure and I like... Um, I work very fast, but that's very genetic. It's not that I work sloppy. I do work, but like, you know, detailed and all that, but I'm just fast at what I do. So sometimes I would get dumped a challenge from Chad just because he knew that I could finish it in the time frame. So for example, Hannah had planned his wedding um, and he, thinking that Cuphead would have been finished like six months before that. 
but he was working like till the day before his wedding and then he had to leave to get married and um he had animated all the devil animations except for the final devil death like the last scene where he dies and you know chad's like all right tina so you're animating final devil death the last thing the animator like the player ever sees um, you're taking over Hannah's work, which is like best animator I think on the team. Oh, and by the way, you have four days. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know. And you tie my hands together too, and maybe you <laughs> yeah, make yeah. it a little more like difficult. Blindfolded. Yeah. And, yeah like, absolutely. And the pencil in your mouth. Go. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Um, so that was interesting to say the mm. least. But like, I was pumped. I was like, all right, let's go. You know, so I did it. Uh, I like but- that attitude. But like, um, but looking back, that was terrifying. Like, I think I just like pushed the terror down really low into my gut like, after <laughs> the fact. <laughs> you know, so. Don't think about it. Yeah. yeah. Bombing afterwards, right? Absolutely. But in the, right now, like we got to fight to fight. Let's do it. You That's know? right. No, yeah. I love that attitude. That's great. Um, okay. What advice would you give young animators slash artists looking for work? Ooh, so definitely one thing that I learned was that the internet and networking has become a huge part of our industry, which I wasn't aware of. Again, I was, you know, I was brought up in the traditional like paper portfolio still and like Mm -hmm. meeting people face to face. But as you were saying, like even with you, you know, you have somebody in Ireland, you have somebody in Canada working for you. So the world has become kind of like a playing field, an open playing field. So I definitely think that um, putting yourself out there respectfully so it's a balance you need to put yourself out there on you know social media platforms have an instagram have a twitter have you know those kind of things but learn professionalism so i thankfully uh, went on all these things as an adult as a professional adult you know after years and years of experience so for some things that you just should not do if you want to maintain uh, a professional image and and get hired and people want to work with you right sometimes some opinions you shouldn't share because you know like they might not you know jazz with some people and and that will kind of put a stigma on who you are as a person so i think um it's really hard to learn that balance but if you have like an art instagram be super professional on it you know like um be like pretend every single person who views it is a potential person that will give you a job right so you kind of have to get into that mindset that it's not only your personal lovely art, but you know, you are a professional and you are a product. It's, it's hard to say that, but you are like, you are marketing yourself as a product. Like I do this, please hire me. Um, so definitely uh, learning those um, social skills and like pulling back a lot with like, I had a terrible day. Like my boss is shitty. Like don't, don't say things like that. You know, like that's, that's not the type of stuff you should be sharing. On Twitter. <laughs> you know, like, um, or share your work in progress instead. <laughs> like, oh, look, I've improved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. All right. Um, this one's from Hornet. Is there any advice you can give to people who are trying to get into the rubber hose art style for the first time? Oh, interesting. Um, definitely look at the old model sheets. There's a lot of them on the internet that you could find. Um, you know, Bimbo's model sheet, olive oils and all that. And you will notice that their characters are extremely simple shapes. So you're, you're sticking to like what you drew in kindergarten, like circles, squares, you know, like tube shape. Um, so, so definitely you see that the designs are very, very basic, um, which makes them very appealing, but also easy to draw, which is great for exactly artists. Like, you know, even children can go ahead and draw fairly accurate 1930s characters because they are very simple and very kind of naive. 
Um, and then the next thing to do is to get um, like an application or something for your, uh, for your web browser. And I know that on Chrome, you could get one for YouTube where you could frame by frame things. So you can play a video on YouTube, right? Um, a 1930s cartoon. There's a lot of them on YouTube. Mm -hmm. You will not have, you can like spend years going through them. And then when you see something that you really enjoy, stop it, pause it. And then there's these two little arrows that appear and you could watch the animation frame by frame. You could see how they move. Um, so that's really great for studying expressions and poses and things like that. So a lot of research, a lot of research goes into it and studying the model sheets, simple shapes, a lot of simple shapes. Was there anything in particular that, um, I, I know you mentioned that you had to kind of unlearn to go back to 1930 style, but was there anything that you guys still added as far as um, what you've learned, obviously, throughout the time of history in animation here that you still kept in because you just go, hey, look, this is what we would do different? I think so. And I think also the 30s is very flexible in the sense that uh, if you compare like Steamboat Willie, which is 28 or 29, 1929, 20, and then, you know, just 10 years later to the late 30s, um, the amount of detail and the amount of polish is like mm. through the roof different. So it was nice because we had kind of a fan of things to choose from as reference or like, oh, we want to kind of go for this style on this level and we want to go for this style on this level. So um, definitely some of the more kind of polished animators um, animated in the like later 30s style, just because they're, they're so good at what they do is like they can't really unlearn all those things that now is just part of a process. Right. And I do think if you look at the animation in Cuphead, it is 30s elevated. Like it's a little bit, it's a little bit more polished than it would have been at the time, just because we do have that knowledge and we, we do have that training. Um, so I did say we had to kind of unlearn, but it's hard to do that. Like yeah, a lot yeah. of the times you do, like we did timing charts, like a lot of 30s animators didn't. I still do. I know Hannah does. <laughs> like we just, it's part of our thing. And like, you know, I need it, you know, as a tool. Um, so, so I think definitely if you, if you compare it, it's, it's, a, it's an homage, uh, but definitely with a little bit of that kind of elevation of the knowledge that we've, we've come across yeah. uh, throughout the years of 2D being around, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I love that you mentioned here, because this goes back even to CG, what I'm, um, is just that process of planning. Um, that was one of my, have been one of my weaknesses. And um, I'm taking an, actually right now another workshop with uh, Tal Schwartzman, who's uh, studied, I think at Sheridan for some time as well, but he's at Pixar right now. And uh, he's big on that, is that planning. And I remember uh, David Hubert on one of our podcasts mentioned the same thing. And it's so important. And I, but I love what you're saying in regards to the 2D is because you can't move forward unless you've planned properly, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I see so many students who are like, oh, I'll just like mess with it until it looks good. And like after like 18 hours, it looks good, but they have no idea how they got there. Mm -hmm. And also you probably could have done that in two hours if you right. had planned it correctly. Yep. So I think, um, I think it definitely makes you more first of all, aware of what you're doing, right? So like think it through. Um, it, also, it also saves you time. I know it's, it seems weird. It seems like a lot of waste of time to do your thumbnails, to act it out, to watch reference videos, to time yourself, to do the charts, to do an X sheet. Like it all seems like so much time taken away. But then when you get to animating, that's a fun bit. <laughs> you know, like right. that goes quick and you know exactly where you're going. And it's like, it's just like the, you know, the, the cream on top of everything. Right. And, yeah. and all that base is solid and good and you know what you're doing. 
And I think it's just, it's one of those things where it, it requires discipline and it requires training and knowledge. But when you do do the planning bit, you will see your animation go leaps and bounds in, in terms of quality. You'll see the difference, right? Yeah. So don't skip it. There you go. All right. I love that. Um, okay. Just some fun ones here. Any favorite 2D films? Oh, so many. <laughs> I, I, I have way too many favorite 2D films. Uh, I'm a huge fan of, of um, Studio Ghibli films. I can obviously. see your, that little pillow in the background there. Oh, yeah. Right. So like, you know, giveaway. Um, definitely, you know, like a huge fan of those. Just the artistry in there is absolutely glorious. I think I think my favorite, like I have a, I love Princess Mononoke just because of my father's an environmentalist. So like the environmental message really, you know, pulls at my heartstrings. Mm. Uh, when it comes to like some of the funky animations, I really like Howl's Moving Castle and uh, Ponyo, that like wave sequence was uh -huh. just like, oh. Uh, when it comes to some newer films, I guess it's been a few years, but I really loved the things by Cartoon Saloon. So um, mm. Secret of Kells was, I, I thought was visually just like, eye candy all over the place and song of the sea i loved and then growing up my favorite films were like this the the golden age so i i wasn't as into like aladdin and little mermaid also like i liked yeah. you know robin hood and jungle book, jungle book. Like, especially yep, yep. jungle book i love that stuff uh -huh. like whenever milt call was still working is <laughs> when i i loved the things so it's sword in the stone um uh. I do like really weird shit like on my free time again versus this amazing blog by Andres Seja. I don't know uh -huh. if you're aware of him. He's, you yeah. know, one of the greats of Disney. For, yep. those, for those of you who don't know, he animated characters like Jafar and Scar. Um, yeah. And also I love him to death because I also love villains. Like I like acting them. I like evil things. And whenever I took <laughs> like Samantha's classes, like you got to pick a character, like you could pick any old Disney character to animate her classes. And I would always pick villains. I like animated Yzma and like a bunch of other ones. Um, Emperor's New Groove was like, I love that movie as well. Mm. The humor in it was wonderful. Yeah. Like, um, and then like at the very end of a class, Samantha's like, oh, isn't it lovely how, you know, like you could see people's personality through the characters they picked and blah, blah, blah. She's like, and then pause. Not that Tina's evil or anything. So, so yeah. So Andreas Zija has a blog and he posts amazing, all that to say, move back. He has a blog and he posts a uh, great, um, great inspiration, uh, you know, artists that inspire him, but also a lot of beautiful, art from the Disney times and it's very high res. So if you feel like put some keys from, for example, um, Shere Khan from Jungle Book, oh, right? Nice. And then yeah, you, yeah. like, if you click on it, it'll go like full resolution and it's gorgeous. And it's all Milt Call's work, but he doesn't post the entire sequence. He posts like maybe uh, some keys and a breakdown. And what I would do is I would like print those and then I would like punch them and I would flip them and try and do the in-betweens like oh, for cool. Milt Call, just like, just to pretend I'm his in-between artist <laughs> for like a second. Um, and, and that made me happy. And also it's, you know, you are learning like what he was doing and you have his timing charts and stuff. So, so it's really great. So. Yeah. And I love that following the masters because that's very much the old um, style of learning, you know, back in the Renaissance and things of that nature, you come, came alongside. I, I know you mentioned, um, you know, with a piece of paper in the college, stuff like that, but that's one of the things I love about, you know, I animate people, you know, we give a certificate, but at the end of the day, your work is what speaks for yourself. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And Nobody cares about the piece of paper, to be honest. Yeah. I have yeah. never 
never have I been asked, do you have a piece of paper? Which is great because I don't have one. So, yes. <laughs> like, um, but in our industry, it's your work speaks for itself, yep. right? So yep. um, I've, I've never graduated anything, but I've studied at one, two, three, four, five different places, four or five different places. Um, and I also aggressively like stalk and seek mentors. Like I don't stalk, but like, you know what I mean? Like I just go after people who I admire. It's important though and try and and i've seen and it's it's really touching to me but i many students have reached out to me um to look at their work and to sometimes even do like an interview for a school project or whatever and i cool. and even though i'm really busy i do try and find the time to do that because it takes a lot of bravery to even ask and you know if i can give back i'd love to i still find it really wacky that people are coming to me when i need to learn so much but <laughs> Um, but you know, again, they're just starting out and, and they want to talk to me and get some advice. So, uh, and I still want to talk to the people who are, I admire and get their advice. And, and I think, um, you know, taking on mentors like Samantha Youssef, another an amazing person that I met through Sheridan is, a, 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 um, a layout artist called Piotr Bielitsky. He worked on Atlantis, on Mulan, like just oh. like an amazing work. And he also has that talent of teaching. He can transfer of information in a way that you'll remember it and he was just glorious so i like my plan is like uh, i'm currently doing a mentor session with samantha and she's awesome. blowing my mind like every time every time i do something with her i'm like oh my god i wish i had known this like five years ago so um so she's blowing my mind but after i do that and i practice some of the things i learned from her like my next kind of goal is to track down kid Piditsky and like focus a bit more on perspective because I feel like that's a weakness of mine that I want to really work on. So again, find the mentors. And that's the other reason, the other thing you just mentioned there too. That's one of the other things I love about our industry too, is that it's frustrating um, that you never feel like you've arrived. But yes. So <laughs> a blessing because you, if you've got the right attitude, it's always that idea of learning. Like I yeah. said, I mean, I finished I animate back in, man, 2000. 11, 2012, and I've been animating here off and on, but I just thought, man, I just need some extra work here. And here I am taking another class, you know, it's just yeah. the ability to just jump back in and like you're saying right there to learn from Samantha. And it's. My goal, I think, is to be like 87, 88 and be like, I was a good animator, but like not great, but good. Like that's like <laughs> my, my goal. 88 is kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for <laughs> Hey, well, we'll you're in the right industry to be able to do that at a, even at a later age. Uh. Exactly. So, can make it. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting too, I just and you may not know it, maybe you would, because you're in uh, the uh, gaming world as well. And I didn't know much about it here, but uh, I'd seen the list for the Annie's that just took place this weekend here. Um, and this, and I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce the game right. It's called Gris. G R I S. Um, I think I think I I've seen things about it's a, it. It's a girl. Um, yes, and she's like yeah. falling like and it's flowy like and stuff. Oh, just yeah, it's beautiful. amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah, we all kind of shared like you know footage of that. And okay. It's just so exciting when you have um, a game that I think just pushes the boundaries of what like visually you can do in games. Mm -hmm. And it's, and I think Cuphead was one of those games, yeah. right? Like yeah. um, we all know that, you know, beautiful lighting, first person shooter, like hyper realism, <laughs> like we've all seen it and it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. However, right. it's really nice to see people pushing the art form to be like, Hey, 
can you make a game like limbo to me was one of those games that was just so visually stunning and journey and you know just like games that like we're pushing it like you know let's try something different i think the uh indie um scene as well as the casual gaming scene has really allowed for that kind of creative outlet where you can try something new so i was really excited about that one that was really cool yeah. yeah, very neat. And again, going back to that 2D style and stuff. So it's just, um, and then I think in one of the interviews you mentioned Claws. So it's just neat to see a lot of this 2D aspect. Oh yeah, Claws is great. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, find its way back into um, these mediums and stuff. Um, I noticed in that, uh, I think that interview, you mentioned something about the Japanese market. Um, yes. I so in- I think, yeah, like what's nice is that 2D hasn't died there. Why do you think that is? That was actually my question here. Why do you think it thrives so well? Um, So I read, okay, so this is not my own answer because I cannot speak for the Japanese people. I'm not as very aware of, you know, um, I'm fascinated by their culture. I can't, you know, speak for anybody who's from there. But I did read um, some great books. One of them was called um, Starting Point. Um, it's it's basically lectures or you know interviews of Hayao Miyazaki um, in his early days. Um, great stuff in there. But I also read you know a bunch of other books. And one of the kind of key things uh, to describe why. Um, their kind of society still is drawn to 2D. Uh, he, he explained, and I don't know how well back this theory is, that you know, the Western world for you know, eons of art has been trying to render 3D forms, 3D forms, 3D forms. Like all the ancient drawings are always like super nicely shaded, Michelangelo's drawings. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, again, going back to the Greek sculpture and like trying to get the 3D form, trying to make things look like beautiful with light. Whereas Japan never went there. Like their artistry all the way to modern times was very much based on the line, on the beauty of the line. Uh-huh. Okay. On, on flatness, on, on a 2D rendition of the world. And if you look at their art, you will notice that. It's very graphic. It's very, like, the beauty is in the line itself and not just in what it's representing. Like, part of artistry is the line. And they have a huge respect for the line. And it's, like, part of their being and part of what they're comfortable with and what like their culture has kind of turned into so they will never let go of the line like that was his explanation that like to (laughs) them that is part of their who they are uh whereas the western world was always obsessed with like three-dimensionality um so that was his uh, explanation i was like wow that's really a fascinating answer so i think that is my answer because that's that's all i know (laughs) yeah the cool part about that though too is as i was going to mention to you beforehand is even the beauty with um into the spider verse where this mixing of mediums and I, one of the things i loved about it was this, to see some of the line work that they would have even like on the eyes i remember when i first saw the trailer and it's uh, miles morales and he, he's jumping he's kind of out of breath and you get this little bit of wobble right around in his yes. eyes and stuff like that and it's just but but this is 3d you know and it's given that it, so it's a nice neat it's a neat opportunity to see the mixture of mediums and things like that for oh absolutely and as i said like um i just love that in the video game industry uh, people are given the opportunity to Mm -hmm. explore different visual styles because again with my like for a long time and this is why what you're saying is so fascinating to me like for a long time i feel that just because it's 3d people thought everything has to look like pixar you know what I mean? Like Pixar developed a look and a style and then everybody's like, oh, like this is what 3D is. We all have right. to look this way. Whereas 
in the times of 2D films, like obviously Disney also developed a look, but if you look at 2D films from around the world, like the only limitation is like the artists you hire, right? So the, the amount of styles of 2D films were very, very broad. Yeah. Um, the way to draw a character, the way to represent, you know, human form or like a story was extremely broad. Yeah. Um, you know, even like if you look at, you know, uh, anime, like between, uh, you know, Miyazaki's work and, and um, Izawa Takahata's who did My Neighbors Yamadas is like a very different stylistic choice. And, I love that. I love that there was a diversity of voices. Yeah. And I think for a long time, people were so stuck that like, you know, 3D has to look this one certain way. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're going to push out of that. And, and like, we'll see some new, super interesting styles um, coming out. Like one of my favorite shorts um, that was, oh, I forget how many years ago, uh, was The Dam Keeper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, by, uh... So so that was, you know, that is like uh it mimics traditional like pastels, uh -huh. but it is done digitally, Talk but it's animated 2D. Um, so, so, but it was like looking like dry pastel and I was like, yay, like it's yeah. different. It looks different. Like it doesn't have to all look the same. Um, yeah. So I think that's what's really fascinating and hopefully fingers crossed, we'll be seeing some awesome new takes on what 3D animation can look like. Yeah. One, one I saw not too long ago and I cannot remember the, the name of it, but it was the bear and that little mouse. Um, yeah, Ernest and Celestine. It's a beautiful, beautiful so, film. Yeah, so it's amazing. Cool. It's so great. <laughs> I actually forgot about that until we started talking about. Uh, it's amazing. Stuff. It's so good. So yeah, it's just there's there's a there's a buffet of stuff. It doesn't have to be one. Yeah, it doesn't have to be one flavor, which is a very legitimate flavor. We all like it. Yes, it's delicious. However, <laughs> please, you know, try something new. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Tina, um, I really just appreciate your time. As you mentioned, you know, you're busy and uh, it's always just neat to get to talk with people, to hear their thoughts. Um, what, uh, and particularly a project like this, like Cuphead, where it was definitely unique and um, hopefully continue to pave the way for new stuff. So um, yeah. inspire more people to try new things. There you the go. Most exciting bit. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. I look forward to getting this out there and having everybody else hear you. All right. Thank you. I drove it to your heart. We got nothing.